This is Pretty in Practice, the podcast. We are your hosts, lay fitness enthusiasts and pre-medical student, Dr. India, pharmacist, D, second year medical student, Dr. Justice, physical therapist. We are four black millennial women practicing in healthcare. This podcast is a space to take you along the journey. The to and through from fitness to medicine to simply being a black woman in healthcare. Practice isn't always pretty. Purpose isn't always easy. Stick around and we'll show you how to keep it pretty in practice. Opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of our own as well as our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of our respective employers, organizations, academic institutions, committees, other groups, or individuals. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Pretty in Practice, the podcast. So we're going to kick things off with our doctor's diary. So let's see what today's questions is. Okay, ladies, this is a good one. (laughs) What current fact about your life would most impress your 10-year-old self? Man. Being a doctor of any sort, I guess, would impress uh, myself. But I guess even with that, the journey along the way to being a doctor was impressive to me, to say the least. Okay, okay, good. What about you, Dee? Um, Similarly, I've always wanted to be a doctor since I was like six. So I think my 10-year-old self would be amazed that I'm in medical school and matched at one of the best hospitals in the nation. Period. Ma'am, yes, ma'am. Um, At this point in my life, I think that my 10-year-old self would be proud of how well-traveled I am. Um, Our parents, our parents, oh, my gosh. My my parents, like, really instilled that in us kind of from a young age. So um, I also think I would be really impressed that I speak another language. I think my 10-year-old self would think that was pretty Pretty cool. Pretty (laughs) fluently. That was a good, that was a good... um, I think for me, my 10-year-old self would be impressed by the fact that I own real estate um, in multiple real estate um, different uh, units. Um, And I say that because I grew up very rough and humble beginnings and was homeless for a period of time. So just being able to be empowered to own a home and build generational wealth is something that, you know, I will pat myself. Exactly. I will pat myself on the back for that. (laughs) Okay. That was a good one. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit, ladies. And today we are going to talk about advocating for black health which is a hot topic right now. But before we get into it, I want to just reiterate and highlight why it's a hot topic. And when you think about black people compared to white counterparts, they are at higher risk of different um, disorders such as heart disease, stroke, cancer, asthma, influenza, pneumonia, diabetes, sickle cell, um, and not only higher risk, you see mortality rates super high in these communities. You see black women three times as likely dying from childbirth. You see um, black women being higher risk for dying from breast cancer. It's just so yeah. much going on, and you have to ask the question, why? Like, right. why are problems not being addressed early enough. And something for me that I do see is that, you know, even working in the pharmaceutical industry, you see that the patient populations don't look 
like us, right? Mm-hmm. right. It's not study for us um, how diseases manifest in black people are not really a part of different clinical trials. And mm-hmm. then in addition to that, when people do come into the office, they often have their problems ignored or, you know, yeah. not taken seriously. And I personally have an example for me. I suffer for um, from epigastric pain, which is just pretty much upper abdominal pain. And I've been suffering with this for 10 years. And there are so many times that I had to advocate and speak up just mm-hmm. to get tests that should normally be conducted when patients are complaining of something like this. I've had doctors brush me off and say, oh, it's just your diet, what you're eating. And I let them know that this is chronic. Like it's mm-hmm. not just diet. I've changed oh my, my diet so yes. many times and it's pain still there. So mm-hmm. I have to advocate to get an endoscopy or a colonoscopy, which are just different exams you can get just mm-hmm. to see what's going on on in your abdominal area and it's taken a while for me to even get those tests and still to this day my problems have not been resolved so Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating even as a licensed pharmacist to go through this so is there anything you guys have gone through or seen so imagine like you know about healthcare, like you have an idea so imagine Mm -hmm. the people who have no idea Mm -hmm. about healthcare and like like who don't how, know how do you even know to advocate is. for yourself exactly. like you don't know anything about healthcare you don't know you need a colonoscopy right. like, or so labs like, to be ordered yeah exactly and it's interesting too how differently you're treated once they find out that oh, you have yes. background <laughs> in medicine or whatever the case may be and I remember like one time I actually um, got rushed to the hospital off an air aircraft like off a flight mm. um, due to excruciating pain um, I've I felt like I knew what was wrong. Um, So I went to the hospital and basically they were telling me that it was just pain from my period. And I'm trying to tell the physician, like, I have had cycles every single month for the past X, Y, (laughs) Z amount of years. I know what type of pain this was. Mm -hmm. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. That's not what it that's not what it Mm -hmm. was. And so a couple of my friends had met me at the hospital and Once the doctor found out that we were all in graduate school and trying to pursue medicine, it was just they there was a change in attitude. There was a change in demeanor. Oh, well, you know what? Let's look at this. Let's let's order a, you know, ultrasound with Doppler Doppler Mm -hmm. ultrasound or, you know, let's try this. Let's try that, you know, to figure out what's wrong. And again, it shouldn't even have gotten to that point where we had to. Basically, you know, kind of say, hey, you know, did you do this? Did you do this? You know, where and then they started asking about our background. Mm-hmm. You know, once it was like, oh, shoot, they they kind of know what they're talking mm-hmm. about. Like and then he asked, oh, are you all in school or, you know, oh, yeah, we're all in graduate school. We're all pursuing medicine like, oh, great, great. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's awesome. OK, let's contrary. see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And as you had mentioned, like. It's just crazy because my heart really does go out to people who don't have any knowledge or don't have family members that they can call up and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm in the hospital. This is what they've done. You know, what should I get done? Should I get anything else done? Like, it's really unfortunate because a lot of people are in a situation where they don't really know how to advocate for themselves in terms of. I need this test done. I need you to do this test. And one thing I really want to note is that is the importance of advocating for yourself. And you don't have to have medical knowledge Mm -hmm. to advocate for yourself. You are the only person living in your body day in and day out. These physicians, these nurses, these specialists do not know what's going on in your day to day. Mm -hmm. 
So yes, if I'm talking about I am on my cycle and I'm having pain, sure, it may be automatic for you to think, oh, that's what it is, but Mm -hmm. I'm in my body. I know what the difference in between what I'm feeling is this and then what my normal cycle pain is. So I just encourage, you know, anybody listening to not be afraid to say, well, what other tests can you order? Maybe, maybe you don't know, you know, what test to ask for, but Hey, I need to know why this is happening. This is not normal. You know, this is something is wrong. So I need you all to, to do your job and you can do it in a respectful manner. You know, you don't have to do it in a disrespectful manner, but Push for the test, push for, you know, advocate for yourself. Don't take no for an answer. If you have to go to a different doctor because this other doctor is not ordering a specific test that you feel like may give you more answers, Mm -hmm. switch your physician. You know, Mm -hmm. I I hear about people that are scared to switch their OB because there are a certain amount of weeks into their pregnancy. If your current doctor is not doing what they need to do or not advocating for you in the way that you feel like you need to be advocated for, then you find another physician. You have to choose you. Exactly. As healthcare professionals, and I think, Justice, we were chatting about even a time you have to step up for patients, which is amazing because patients out there don't often have people who look like them and step up for them. So thoughts about how you kind of have done that in your practice? Yeah, I have, like, one specific example. I was recently in inpatient rehab, um, and so what that is is generally patients go to inpatient rehab after they had an acute stint. Uh, for many different reasons, if they need more care, then they can get um, that they can't go home because they still need medical care, but they also need physical therapy. Um, I had a patient who was scheduled to go home in inpatient rehab. Um, she had got a um, some type of cardiac surgery, um, but in that stint, she got sent out to the acute hospital because some levels or something were off. Um, but when she came back, she came back on oxygen. Um, and generally, the uh, per- the protocol is to wean someone off oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, but whoever's job it was to manage her weaning it off before she went home did not do that. So she was going home the next day and they were like, oh, we can just cut her oxygen. Like all of a sudden you can just cut her oxygen. Um, so we're in an interdisciplinary team meeting. So there's doctor, there's a, the head MD, um, there's the nurses, uh, physical therapist, occupational therapist. So the whole team that basically works with that patient. Um, and everybody's like, oh, like, she should be fine to go home. Um, like, these levels are probably okay because she has a history of smoking. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, just because mm-hmm. she has a history of smoking. Like, like So now like it's that, the yeah. patient's fault because you were negligent and didn't, like, the respiratory therapist did not know, like, mm-hmm. that she was on oxygen. So yeah. at that point, that's your fault. And so we're going to send her home with a maybe that she'll be all right. It's not okay with me. So I'm like, right. generally, we wean people off of oxygen. So why is it okay in this instance to send her home? Right. And so... Um, they end up having a further discussion, like, okay, like, the respiratory therapist is like, well, she should be fine. Okay, well, should is not, like, good enough. So right. what else are you going to do? Because, yes, she's scheduled to go home tomorrow, but y'all never said anything about oxygen. Like, and she was on a low amount, which generally might be okay to, like, just pull them off. But, like, still, mm-hmm. that's not protocol. So why with this patient is it okay just because you failed to do what you were supposed to? Mm-hmm. So um, that's just one example where I feel like, like, I had to stand up in a meeting full of a whole bunch of professionals like mm-hmm. who obviously don't look like me. And mm-hmm. I will say that right. I probably was the only person of color. And I'll use of color because there was literally no one else in the room. So mm-hmm. this is a point where I had to stand up for another person of color because the patient was of color. And, you know, once yeah. you smoke and you're of color, like, that's it. Your, your O2 stats are low per usual. Yeah, like, we don't know yeah. your baseline, but we can assume. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah, wrong. I don't like that. And that won't fly <laughs> with me in the room. So I've had to advocate um, 
from like a personal standpoint, because if you know me, then you know that my reason behind pursuing medicine is because I have two brothers and countless cousins who all suffer from sickle cell disease, which is a genetic disorder that um, someone can inherit and essentially it affects your red blood cells. So most people may know like the red blood cells is what delivers oxygen to your body through a protein called hemoglobin. And so in sickle cell disease, these little circle shaped red blood cells that we have, the sickle cell patients have um, red blood cells that look like half moons, like they're crescent shaped. And so that presents a problem because these red blood cells have to travel through these tiny little blood vessels. Mm-hmm. When they're shaped like crescents, they have the tendency to get stuck in the blood vessels and that leads to a vaso-occlusive pain crisis. So that causes, like, excruciating pain. Um, when I ask my brothers what it feels like, because I obviously don't have sickle cell, so I don't know what it feels like, they always say the same thing. It's like bone crushing. Like, someone is literally, like, crushing your bones. And obviously, it'll change depending on where that sickle cell crisis is occurring, but it can be very debilitating. Um, some people, I have a cousin who's in chronic pain, like, all the time, mm-hmm. and... I've learned to advocate from a very young age and even now more so as I progress through my career because oftentimes they're labeled as drug seekers. Um, A lot of times emergency departments turn them away when they seek help for their um, pain crisis because they think they're just there to get painkillers. And so I wanted to pull a stat from the Journal of the American Medical Association, which says that in 2013, of the 16,000 deaths attrib- attributed to opioid overdose, only 10 occurred in sickle cell patients. Wow. So out of 16,000 people that died that year because of opioid overdose, only 10 of them were sickle cell disease, yet they're being labeled as drug seekers right. mm-hmm. when they're coming in for pain crisis. And so I always tell my brothers, feel free to call me once you get there because I'm not like physically back home where they are. So I'm like, call me. I'll talk to the doctors. Um, the times where I am able to accompany the first thing I'm saying, I'm a medical student, right? Like you're not about to play me. You're not about to play my family. And what's even more crazy is, um, my brother's pediatric hematologist. So one of my brothers, he's like 32 now, his pediatric hematologist has literally had to like physically go into the ER and or call and let them know like, Hey, this is my patient. He's not a drug seeker. Like he has a chronic condition. And I just think that goes back to just systemic racism. Cause why are we being taught? that this patient population are drug seekers. Like, no, they have a chronic condition that is managed well with opioids. Like, they shouldn't be looked at as drug seekers. And I will point out, yes, opioids can cause addiction. I'm not taking that away. But we're talking about people who go to the hospital two or three times a year. So, like, you know, their chances of getting addicted are a little on the lower side. So I found myself advocating for that. For years now, something that I will continue to do throughout my life, throughout my practice, I will always draw attention to the fact that sickle cell patients are not drug seekers. They need their chronic illness managed, period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pain is always a tough topic. Not only is there just stereotypes when we Mm -hmm. go in about managing our pains, it's also what we have been taught growing up, being black people, is that you just push through and being Mm -hmm. strong just because everything we've gone gone through. Right. And I want to put the message out there. You do not have to suffer in pain. You can get help. You mm-hmm. don't have to just it doesn't make you sum weak. it up. You don't 
Exactly. It's not a weakness. So if you are feeling pain, I urge you to get it addressed because there's something that can be done about it and should be done about it. You not you don't just have to be a strong black person pushing through this as others may expect you to do. And I and think that goes back to the advocating for yourself because no one else can tell you what pain you have in your right, body. Right, and exactly. sometimes as a physical therapist, I have a t- hard time with that too because patients will over and over present with the same amount of pain no matter what we do. Like there's no mm-hmm. change in their pain. And that drives me nuts because your pain changed some. Like mm-hmm. it's either went up mm-hmm. or it's went down or like it hasn't stayed the same no matter what I've done. But I have to kind of put myself back and realize, like, I don't know your pain. So, yeah. like, that's just a thing that you have to continue to advocate for yourself because no one can be in your body. Right. Like, and ask questions. Before. Like, yeah, when you seriously. don't know, and Lacey <clears throat> talked about it a little earlier, ask questions and remember that it is your body. If a physician tells you we're going to do X, Y, and Z to help you manage whatever your condition is, Why? if you don't agree with it, don't, don't do it. Right, like, yeah. literally ask questions or say – Mm, I'd rather do X, Y, and Z versus taking this medicine, or I'd rather take this medicine instead of going for like a radical surgery. Mm-hmm. You have a say so in your health. At the end of the day, it is your body. It is likely that you or your insurance will be paying for it. So yep. make sure that you are speaking up and advocating for yourself. I cannot stress that enough. And do your research. I'm sorry. Um, just definitely do your research. I know it might be things out there that is super expansive. You might not understand all terms, but if you can at least get familiar with the basics out there, just things to look at for things that are abnormal signs and symptoms, I think that kind of helps facilitate the conversation. I'm not saying go on the internet and Google and say, you know, you have a diagnosis of cancer, which I feel like everything on the internet says. Um, (laughs) Don't make assumptions, but I think there are helpful tips out there where you can Google and get some information just general information on your disease that way you at least have some preparation to go in there and have that conversation with your health care provider and I feel like even if you don't have any knowledge like you can ask why 25 times like and, and they, they should, should be able to explain it, it yeah, to like, and that's their job like they should, should be able to break yeah. it down to the point where you can understand, where you understand it I like, do it every week yeah like it should, it, be, it a should be a common practice like it shouldn't yes. be a problem that you want to know why you don't understand that's the reason like you have this job like, and if somebody gives you a hard time about it then yeah like i don't care know. if you can't answer why get me someone else in here who can who can right like, Absolutely. that's it like you're oh, going to help yeah. me understand or we're not like or this not doing visit is not over yeah like <laughs> next and i have that like right now i'm in the process of finding a new doctor because the doctor that i was dealing with um after he did my colonoscopy, one, he did not do it well. Um, my mm. prep just did not go well, and that wasn't taken into account. And then after the colonoscopy happened, he was like, well, we really couldn't see anything, but I don't think it's cancer. I was mm. like, hold on. I don't yeah, need you not to think. To. I need confirmation. Right. I, I need, need to know to what know you that saw. It's not exactly. And You're just smart. brushed it off yeah, and like, come back in 10 years. Well, I can be <laughs> early on not. in something that could be mm-hmm. drastic, you right. know? So with that in mind, I said enough is enough. I'm going to go to somebody that I'm feeling is taking me serious. And there exactly. is an extensive process. Like I have to go outside the network in order to go to another doctor, mm-hmm. but it's worth it because mm-hmm. I deserve the care and I deserve it now. And I'm not going to wait Absolutely. until things get worse. Get so worse. take matters yeah. into your own hands right mm-hmm. right absolutely i think it's good to note like and all doctors don't know the same just because you went right. to the same get doctor a second like get everyone a second is opinion. practicing mm-hmm. like they don't know everything and we'll never know everything mm-hmm. about these bodies so even if like they can't answer you try someone else like yeah and it doesn't mean that opinion. they're incompetent no, like right. nobody knows everything you can't like, so we didn't make these you bodies. can have a great doctor that knows a lot about something mm-hmm. and then you can maybe they 
they've maxed out on like their what they know about this particular mm-hmm. issue and um you know a lot of times they will be honest and say you know i like to refer you to a mm-hmm. specialist or i like to refer you to you know another physician that has you know a little bit more experience mm-hmm. in this particular area and again that does not mean that that physician or that healthcare provider is incompetent if anything uh, kudos to that provider I for agree. understanding the what they are well versed in and what they might not be well versed in and having mm-hmm. you know the courage to be like hey this is not my area of expertise or i haven't dealt with a lot of patients with this issue but i have a colleague that does mm-hmm. i'd mm-hmm. love for you to you know have an appointment you know with this specialist or whatever the case may be that makes them a better healthcare professional it honestly does like if you can admit where you know and you don't know like exactly. mm-hmm. that's I better like that I, kind of doctor than someone who thinks they know it all <laughs> and like this is what it is like how can you be sure right like, exactly you still can't like even if you run every test in the book you still can't be like, like that sure mm-hmm. like that's why you have to come up, up with up. three differential diagnoses exactly. <laughs> right <laughs> i think that's the problem though with sickle cell i think a lot of doctors i think a lot of non-minority doctors or doctors who are not of color do not know a lot about sickle cell no, they because don't. it's much more prevalent in people of color in our non-minority counterparts our colleagues that we work with like check your own blind spots you know mm-hmm. and also check your own biases like there are yes. things that you think are natural but they do come off insulting mm-hmm. as talking about oh I think it's smoking or drinking or anything you yeah, know right. that might impact your assumptions. exactly yeah. assumption like we are an evidence-based field so just make sure you are doing your due diligence and really considering the oath that you took when you are treating all diverse patients and then also try to be a little bit more culturally competent there's a lot of resources out there just to educate yourself on kind of taking care of patients of different diverse backgrounds the more you can connect with your patients and really understand their experience that's when you really can help solve the issues and understand the complaints and the scenarios that they're going through Mm -hmm. and I have a task for our listeners because India mentioned it at the beginning like a lot of times we don't have enough research on how certain diseases are affecting black people or minority people so, you know, if you get that physician who's like, hey, do you want to participate in my clinical trial? Yeah. As long as you get all of the information that you need about it, as long as the side effect isn't dying or something crazy, <laughs> I encourage you to participate because we need to know. And Absolutely. I get it. Mm-hmm. We're hesitant because of things like the Tuskegee syphilis study, right. yeah. you know, which was very, very unethical. However, I am hopeful for the medical field and we really just need more minorities to participate in research so that we can learn more and improve different treatment plans and have better health outcomes as a community. Exactly. I mean, even when you, um, there was actually an article or it came out that there is this um, black medical student who was drawing pictures in like textbook pictures of different ailments or different things that um on black skin or darker skin i love that and Mm -hmm. the fact that it's 2022 and you still have medical textbooks that do not show certain diseases or certain you know even from a dermatologist perspective there's certain rashes that look Mm -hmm. completely different on darker skin where people will literally not know what something is because they've never seen it presented yep. on a black person. That is it so could, true. And it looks, I've seen certain, you know, dermato- dermatological issues that look completely different. Right. I mean, they look pink on something with fair, fair, someone with fair skin and it looks purple on someone mm-hmm. with darker skin, mm-hmm. you know? So you think Very it's something true. completely different. So even just from that aspect of just needing more education mm-hmm. on certain illnesses and how they appear differently 
in people of color versus, mm-hmm. you know, um, your people of your European descent. So I think that's even something that, you know, we need to advocate for Absolutely. as well is more education on the different types, how things are, are presented differently mm-hmm. um, in black populations or people of color. Absolutely. Well, this has been so fulfilling. Um, I hope that everyone was able to take away good tips that we have been able to share. And just like we've been saying the whole episode, advocate for your health. One, you pay for it. Two, you know your body. And three, you deserve good quality health care. So just make sure you speak up if you are confused, um, if you have been holding back and not saying anything. Right now is the time to get ahead of that and advocate for yourself. All right, everyone, that is another episode of Pretty in Practice. So remember always, regardless of where you are at in your journey, always remember to keep it pretty. Bye. As always, thank you for joining us for the ride. Be sure to keep in touch by following us on Instagram and subscribing to our YouTube channel at Pretty in Practice. Feel free to send us a DM of any topics you want us to discuss and you might hear them on a future Pretty in Practice episode. Keep it pretty.